going to start the show by taking a look at some scripture in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And starting in verse 18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Jesus Christ concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. And that's reading in verses 18 through 24. Today I want us to really give some consideration to what is recorded in, the, in this passage, specifically verse 21 Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Hey everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks for tuning in. You are listening to the Average Apologetics Podcast. I'm Corey, your Average Apologist. I'll be your host for this day's broadcast and your host for every day's broadcast, Lord willing, if it be God's will. Again, if it be God's will, that's how it will happen. And if it be not God's will, then, well, it doesn't matter. Because God's will is what matters above everything else. If you if you come from the mindset, from a, a biblical, a Christian biblical worldview, then you have to understand that God's will supersedes your own. God's will supersedes my will. I, I have no will at all in comparison to God's will. My will doesn't matter in comparison to God's will. Now, sure, there are things that I want to happen. There are things that I want to do. But unless it be God's will, unless it be the will of God that those things be allowed to come to fruition. For example, this ministry, I would love to see this ministry grow. And if it be God's will, regardless of what I do, regardless of what you do, it will happen. Now, some people say, well, that's that's way too optimistic. But come on, if, if you've listened to much of this podcast, and you've probably figured out that I'm not what people typically call an optimist. I'm what I call a realist, but I've, I've been told that I'm a pessimist. I, I disagree. I disagree with that with that idea, but I digress. Again, I thank you all for tuning in today, and you, you tuned in to hear me hear me rant, right? Hear me rant and rave. Sip of water. It's good for the throat. You tuned in to hear me talk. Hopefully, if, if, that's, if you're listening, then you must be listening because you want to hear the things that I have to say. And some of the things that I have to say are oftentimes controversial. If you listen to me long enough, you find out that the things that I say are controversial. We've been talking in, in the past couple of weeks about some controversial issues. Last week, we, uh, we, discussed, we discussed some of the problem, the, the fundamental opposition between the the idea of, of a socialist governance, a socialist form of governance, how that's diametrically opposed to Christianity at its at its core. And uh, just as a as a heads up, I, th- I think we're going to be seeing a lot more content related to that. As much as I want to make our Friday studies about Islam right off the bat, because that, again, that's something I am very passionate about is studying Islam, because I find it to be a fascinating ideology, but... The most pressing issue for Western society right now isn't 
It isn't Islam. It just isn't. It's it's the rise of this other secular worldview. And I think the best way to broach it is to do a more in-depth study of Marxism. And so that's that's what we're looking at headed look looking at being headed come Friday. But today is not Friday. Today is Tuesday. Today is Tuesday. We have a whole week ahead of us. Yesterday I reported to you the somber news about what took place on Saturday over the weekend to Brother Artur Palowski. And I, I would ask, for those of you Christians out there, if you would continue to pray and support Brother Archer and men like him throughout Canada, throughout the U.S., across the entire world who are facing this I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to use a buzzword here, okay? Are, are you ready for this? Systemic discrimination. Sound familiar? We'll, we'll get into that more on Friday, but that, that's actually a term from Marxism. And it's, it's using it against them. But anyway, we'll, 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 we'll talk about that more. We'll talk about that more because today what I want us to really, really focus on is understanding the necessity for proving those things which are true. We discussed a couple of weeks ago now, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the, the reality that people can make truth claims. You can make a truth claim all day long, and it can be false. And if nobody ever goes to verify it, if nobody ever checks it, if you think about it, what do we have in social media? What do we have in the internet? What do we have in the news media that is supposed to verify? There's a system of checks and balances that are supposed to verify the validity of the claims that are being made. We call them fact checkers, right? The fact checkers. They're supposed to check the facts to prove whether or not things that are being said publicly are accurate. But that's not always the case. Interesting story. Interesting story in the New York Times. New York Times reporter David Leonard published a, a takedown of the CDC's outdoor masking guidance. Now, I have, I have stated my firm belief on the, the status of the COVID-19 virus across the world, but specifically here in the U.S. and the way we have approached it. If you've listened to very many of my episodes, then you've, you've probably got a pretty firm idea of my opinion on how we have addressed COVID-19 and versus how we should have addressed it. And even, even though I shouldn't have to say this, I shouldn't have to give this, this disclaimer, but I will. I, I will give this disclaimer again. Just for, for the sake of anyone who may not have heard this before, under no circumstances will I sit here behind this microphone and tell you that COVID-19 does not exist. Under no circumstances will I sit here and tell you that the SARS-CoV-2 virus is not real or that it is not a legitimate threat to certain people. It is. It absolutely, statistically is. It exists, and it is a threat to certain people. But that is a very definitive group of individuals. I talked about that on, on yesterday's episode. That COVID-19 is a threat. 
if you are around 80 years old, if you have multiple comorbidities, if you are in poor health, if you are obese, then yes, it is something that you might want to consider taking some precautions. But again, that's your responsibility. Your personal responsibility. And I know yesterday we, we really focused on personal responsibility. Today we're going to focus on truth. The passage that I read to you in the opening of this episode from 1 Thessalonians, that one key verse, verse 21, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 21, and I read the whole passage within the context, within the context of the, the instructions that are being given and, and you, can, you can back it up and, t- and take it even further, back up into the, the 12th verse, where he writes, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for, the works, for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, again, this is a direct, directly to the brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. So this is about the Christian conduct outward between each other, between like-minded believers and to non-Christians. He goes on to write, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. And then in verse 18, where we started, In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Prove all things. And each of, each of these points are separate. These are separate points. They are separated. If you, if you look at the, 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 the structure, the structure of the writing, these are separate points. They're in the same train of thought, but they are separate points. And so when, when, I, pull, when I pull a verse out, I want to be, to be very clear. When I'm pulling a verse out by itself like this, I bring it to you in the full context. And then now I want us to narrow down our view of what we're seeing here in verse 21. With everything that's been said before, all of these instructions about your, your behavior, your conduct as a believer, you are to prove all things. What does that mean? Prove all things. Well, in the Greek text, the uh, if you go into the the Strong's Greek lexicon, Strong's G thirteen eighty one, we have the Greek term. And, and and again, I will point out that I am I am not a, ling- a linguistics scholar. I'm not a scholar of the Greek language. I am, I am not even what you would consider a Bible scholar. I'm, I'm just an average, ordinary guy. But even I can look this up, okay? You can too. Do your due diligence. Check this out. The Greek word, the Greek word used here to prove all things, dokimadzo, dokimadzo. This is a word meaning to test, to examine, to prove, to scrutinize, to see whether a thing is genuine or not. It's the same type of language that's used when you are testing 
precious metals, the same type of language that you are that you will see used in the examination of a claim. To deem whether something is worthy or unworthy. By implication, to approve or to disprove. Much in the same way that you see in the Apostle Paul's letter, his second letter to Timothy, chapter 2 and verse 15, Study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman who needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's all about discerning truth and understanding what is true versus what is false. So let's get back to this story I read. Let's get back to this this article that I that I read through earlier today that I found just fascinating. David Leonard of the the New York Times. When you think about people in in major media outlets contradicting what comes out of the government, what comes out of say the CDC, you know, bureaucratic organizations like the CDC, you don't expect it to come from the New York Times. But here we have in the New York Times uh, the article titled A Misleading CDC Number. We have a special edition of the newsletter on a misleading CDC statistic by David Leonard. It was published this, this morning. This morning. It 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 brings up it brings to light how the CDC the Center for Disease Control and Prevention released new guidelines last month regarding mask wearing specifically wearing masks outdoors where it announced quote less than 10% of covid-19 transmission was occurring outdoors now the the problem that the writer here David David Leonard, this this uh, this reporter who has done his due diligence, is that he found that this ten percent number, this ten percent number is incredibly high. Now the the way it's worded is accurate because it is less than ten percent from various uh, various virologists around the country and and even across the world. We've seen different numbers bandied about on on rates of transmission but the outdoor rate of transmission as this reporter here in his due diligence brings to light it appears to be below one percent and most likely even below 0.1 percent now we say well, well Corey, this is this is again this this isn't something that directly pertains to to understanding scripture and defending the faith not directly not directly, but it does bring to light a massive issue, a massive issue that plagues our society as a whole, and it is an issue that does directly affect the body of Christ. And that issue is our inability to easily discern the truth. Why is it so difficult for us to discern the truth? Well, when it comes to biblical studies... We have, we have issues discerning the truth because we're, one, not studying. We don't study sufficiently in order to discern what is true versus what is false. How many times? If you just think within, within your own worldview, 
how many of your particular closely held views are determined based on your independent personal study of scripture and and source materials and, and tertiary text versus how many of your closely held personal views are based on things that you have been taught directly by someone else whether that's through family tradition whether that's directly from your pastor from an evangelist from uh, some other speaker from an apologist from a bible teacher from a, a teacher in a classroom setting how many of your strongly held beliefs are based on what you have been taught without substantial substantial evidence to back it up how many things do you believe if, if you really go through and look at say, well, well what do i believe about the resurrection or say what do i believe about the divinity of christ or what do i believe about baptism what do you believe what are your beliefs within your worldview as specifically those of you who are christians what are your beliefs about the Bible, about Christianity, about God, that you can sit down and legitimately explain why you believe those things. How many of those beliefs can you sit down and lay out an argument to substantiate those beliefs? I think most of the time, most, and, and this Look, this, this applies to me just as much as it, as it applies to anyone else. I, I have personally had to do this to sit down and say, okay, Corey, why do you believe this? Why do you believe that? And try to explain to myself why I believe those things. And a lot of times, a lot of times, I find myself in a position where I cannot justify those beliefs without further study. Now, if we're being honest, if we can't justify our beliefs without further study, we can't defend those beliefs. We can't defend them. My friends, that is the whole point of apologetics, to learn how to defend what you believe. If you can't defend it, if you can't defend it, do you really believe it? So, well, well, well maybe you believe it, but you, you don't know why. Again, if, if you don't know why you believe something, do you really believe it? Or is it just a slogan? Is it just a catchphrase, a buzzword, a tradition, a habit, a ritual? There are a lot of things in life that are simply ritual. When we're talking about secular society, what is the ritual that we go through to gain knowledge? Turn on the news. We look up articles. Grab a newspaper, pull up our, our favorite our, our favorite reporting, news reporting websites, go on social media. If we're being perfectly honest, how many of us get the majority of our news in 2021 directly from social media? That's a problem, my friends. That is a problem when we are when we are objectively honest with ourselves about how much we truly understand about the truth with regards to any situation that we might hold a firm belief. You take, you take the, the matter of 
SARS-CoV-2, or as, as most people just call it, COVID-19. The SARS-CoV-2 virus, which causes the COVID-19 disease. How much do you actually know about COVID-19? And how much of what you know about it can you verify that it's true? You see, it's articles like this, like this with the New York Times, that makes you think. And that's a good thing. That, it, that itself is a very good thing. Because we need to think. We need to be a thinking people. We need to take the time to observe a situation, to observe information, and to say, okay, this is what I believe, this is, or this is what I have been told. Let's see if it checks out. More after this. just want to take a quick moment to thank all of you listeners for your support. I appreciate you tuning in and joining us here on the Average Apologetics Podcast. If you are enjoying this content, I hope that you will subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends, family, blast it on social media, let other people know. Because after all, the more people hear the podcast, the more people can potentially benefit from this content. days ago I mentioned a, a, a bit of a dust-up that came uh, around Representative Cori Bush, uh, I believe a Missouri congresswoman, who had used the terminology birthing people in, uh, in, in, in what otherwise, uh, aside from uh, if, if you take the, the first part of her, um, her speech that she gave, the first part of, of her her announcement where she was discussing the the near loss of life of her children during childbirth uh, would have been a very strong pro-life message if you really think about it even though she herself is, is not as I understand it um, pro-life at least not pro-life when it comes to other people's children birthing people the terminology that she used is that a true statement? Well, it, it, if you take it within the constraint, within the, within the constraints of looking at, well, it, this is the truth claim that she is that would not nece- not necessarily that she herself was presenting, but she was using this language that has been used uh, within a certain political narrative to to transform the way we speak. Now, I discussed the, that the other day, how that we. We transform language, and then we change the meaning of things, so then our communication completely dissolves. Well, the, the, the claim is that the terminology birthing people is absolutely equivalent to mother. And it, and it is equivalent while at the same time being, quote-unquote, gender-inclusive. Okay. Who gives birth? Who gives birth? Do, do men give birth? Do biological men give birth? No. No, that's that's a fundamental biological fact of reality. Biological males do not give birth. Biological females do give birth. They carry children to term. Talking about human beings, human women, biological women, 
carry children to term and give birth. So the difference between referring to them as birthing people and mothers is the difference between identifying them as women or identifying them as the function of the biological female body. Now, if we're looking at it just from very far away, if, if we're looking at this from a functional perspective, then yes, it's true. It's true that birthing people are mothers, and mothers are birthing people. But if the purpose, if the purpose behind the terminology is so that it can somehow include biological men, or somehow include women who have sterilized themselves, biological women who have sterilized themselves, then it's no longer true. Then it's just political semantics. It doesn't have any truth anymore. It's, it's just a buzzword. It's just a catchphrase. It's just a slogan. So the difference between something being true and something containing truth is, is another matter that we need to look at when it comes to discerning the truth. Because you can take a grain of truth and spin the most elaborate lies. With a single grain of truth, a single speck of the truth can be used as, as the glue to hold your lies together. You think about the most manipulat manipulative people in existence, the most manipulative people that you've ever been around. And this, this may be offensive to some of you out there, and I, I apologize not because you are offended, but I apologize because if, if this is your chosen profession that you don't have, and you're, and you're offended by it, then you don't have thick enough skin to endure this. But used car salesman, what is your job? If you are a used car salesman, your job is to take something that is not in perfect condition. It has, it has some miles. It has some wear and tear. It's probably got some damage. It may have some severe damage. For some of you out there, you'll, you've probably been willing to take cars and trucks that, if you're being honest, shouldn't be back on the road. And sell the highlights. You can talk about how great the paint job is. And the paint job may be fantastic. The outer body may be fine. Even if the engine's worn out. Even if the electrical is shot. There's a difference between the truth and something that, on a surface level, smells like the truth. So for people who are who are given to the kind of sentiment that Representative Cori Bush was using with her language to try to be inclusive to the feelings of those who don't fit the biological norm, who don't meet the standards of nature. That's, that's not their preferred existence. And I'm choosing my words carefully here to be both 
passive aggressive and offensive if you really pay attention to it because it's a direct offense to god it may not be a direct offense to me but when someone says that a biological man can be identified as a woman or vice versa that's a direct offense to the nature of god it's a direct offense to the natural order established by god and even from a secular perspective, you should be able to look at that and say, well, that's, that's a complete breakdown of the biological functions of humanity. And it's clearly a psychological issue. But I digress. When we're looking to understand the truth, to discern the truth, to prove all things, how do we do it? How do you prove all things when what you're being told may or may not be true? You've got to put in the legwork. It means that you have to put out some effort. You have to put out some effort. If we consider what's written in the book of James concerning the dynamic between faith and works, and that's and in, in his dialogue he's discussing the internal faith, what we truly believe, the faith of the soul, versus the outworking of your faith the outer the outward expression of your belief through your actions for he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy and mercy rejoiceth against judgment and what pro what doth it profit my brethren though a man say he have faith and have not works can faith save him if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, and be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. It has no effect outwardly. If it is alone, if it is separate, if that faith, that you, if what you believe is truly what you believe, but you do not act outwardly, then your faith does nothing for anyone else. You can believe something to be true. You can believe wholeheartedly. But unless you prove it, unless you put forth the effort to, out, to work outwardly, to work out those things that you believe, in the case of the faith in Jesus Christ, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, if you believe that God is God, that we are sinners, and that only through him is there redemption, and if you believe that we have been commanded to act out of love, out of compassion, and you're given the chance to give to someone in need and you do not, like in this case, if, if there's one who is naked and destitute of daily food and you, and you say, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you don't give them anything to eat and you give them nothing to warm them, no clothing to put on their backs, what have your words actually done? If anything, they've, they've nettled them further. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Shew me thy faith without thy works, and I will shew thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But will thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? We must work outwardly to demonstrate what we believe. Otherwise, there's no reason for people to actually believe what we say we believe there's no reason for for people to take us at our word if we don't demonstrate it outwardly the same goes for finding the truth someone can tell you that something is true but unless you do your due diligence to prove to verify 
whether or not to discern whether or not what they have told you is the truth. And you just take them at their, at their word. You take them at face value without giving it a second thought. Then you have no way of knowing whether or not that's actually true. So folks, as I am fond of telling people, don't take my word for anything. Do your own research. Do your own studies. When it comes to scripture, when it comes to the word of God, study the Bible. Study the source materials. Study the scholars who are far more intelligent than me. And above all, seek the answers of God. When it comes to secular matters, like in the case of COVID-19, when someone tells you, well, this is the truth, these are the statistics. Again, if you just take that at face value, you don't know if it's true or not. In the case of the CDC, the claim was that was what? That less than 10% transmission rate. But the epidemiolog epidemiologists have been saying for almost a year now that the transmission rate outdoors is as low as sub 0.1%, as, as low as less than 0.1%. That's a big difference from 10. Now, is it true that the rate is less than 10? Yep. But it's misleading. So what do you discern out of that situation? What are you being told? Well, you're being told something that is not categorically false, but it is categorically misleading. So then you have to ask yourself, why is it misleading? Why are we being told the things that we're being told? Why are we told anything that we're told? Why are we told the things that we are told in our churches about the Word of God? Why are we told the things in the world about humanity? No matter the, no matter the, the subject matter, it doesn't matter what the subject is. Always look for the truth. And with that, folks, we're going to wrap things up. Thank you again for tuning in today. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to delve into more of a, a, a theological study. We may, be, we may be taking things one book of the Bible at a time. We'll see. We'll have to see how things go tomorrow to, get, to uh, really dig in, delve into our Wednesday studies. But in the meantime, please, if you have not subscribed to this podcast and you enjoy the content here, please do subscribe to it. Um, you know, if, anywhere that you have a chance to to rate it, whether it's like on Apple Podcasts, I don't, I don't, I don't know if if Spotify or Google Podcasts will give you the option to rate or to give any kind of feedback on there. But if you have that option anywhere, please do give it a high rating and share it. Share this podcast with as many people as you can. Spread the word so that more people will hear the content and may benefit from it in the same way that hopefully you do. And as always, all of you out there, stay strong. Keep the faith. I know that's that's difficult if you're a non-Christian. But here's what you can do. Here's what you can all do. Is seek the truth in all things. Until next time, friends. God bless. Thank you.